Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I'm the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And every week we put out a podcast about how to succeed in product management as part of our mission to empower diverse product managers to succeed, to drive, uh, create innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences and meet the needs of businesses, customers, and all that. So we're excited to be here sharing some of the best and brightest, some of that knowledge with all of you today. And this is recorded and put out as the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast, which you could download anywhere you download podcasts. So I'm super excited because this whole podcast started with Red, who you could see in my lower left corner. He's like, dude, you got to get on Clubhouse, which is, uh, sadly, we're not we're not there anymore. But that's where we met Merrily. And wow, uh, just as the Product Management Center has taken off since Merrily uh, would join us on Clubhouse Conversations, Merrily has taken off as well, doing some amazing work in AI product strategy, which is what we are talking about today. And also we had a program, the IPMA, where we're empowering professionals from historically marginalized communities to land product manager roles. And that's where we met Priyank. And Priyank's been doing some amazing work, thought leadership and mentoring uh, the next generation. So super excited to have two amazing panelists and Red here to talk about a very important topic, which is AI product strategy. And so if I could, I think a lot of people know everybody on this stage, but we got probably, the, I think this is the biggest audience we've ever had live, Red. Uh, this is pretty amazing. So I'm going to start with you, Merrily. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then uh, we'll hear from Priyank, and then we'll dive into AI product strategy. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, for me, I, I was doing AI before it was cool. So I, I did a PhD in AI like 12 years ago. And then I joined Google as an AI product manager, which was a really peculiar role at the mo- at the point. Like I didn't even know what I had to do. And as it turned out, I launched some products. I was working on the Google Assistant team. I was Googling for the working for the AR VR team. And now I moved over to Meta and I'm working for Reality Labs and Metaverse. But what's interesting is what I do on the side. So I have founded an AI product bootcamp where I teach product managers, how to become AI product managers. So I'd, I'd love to ask everyone to just follow me here on LinkedIn and you can see my links for my bootcamp. I'm happy to provide special discounts for this group specifically. So yeah, I'm very excited to discuss strategy. Strategy, I'm all about it. So yeah, really, really looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, Marilee. And now Priyank, again, a mentor in the IPMA. Great to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, everyone. So yeah, excited to be here. And it's my first time doing a podcast with Jeffrey and PMC. So just about me in brief, like I have decade-long experience working for various products and domains so far. Uh, right now, I work as a senior product manager at Black Knight Financial. And I have, it's a fintech company in the mortgage domain. So we have worked for like uh, developing solutions in the product world from 360 degree from coordinations to servicing and so on and yeah uh, so far beside work i have been a product mentor at ipma and been very exciting work going on with the ipma cohorts overall so this is my second cohort now with ipma and i've seen a lot of enthusiastic people 
looking to break into product management overall and been excited to work with them. Other than that, I've been also product leadership coach, mentor overall with Kriya, which is also a new platform. It's been with them for now around nine months, and it's been very exciting working with a lot of people who want to transition into product management or grow as a product manager. And recently, I have launched an AI book or guidebook, I would say, that can help product managers to understand what is their role into AI products and how they can prosper. And there are great solutions for users. So yeah, very excited to be here and looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. And then Red, real quick, we've, this is the biggest audience we've ever had on LinkedIn. So some of them might not know you. So why are you here and how can they get involved in today's conversation? It's a great question, Jeff. If I knew that answer, I, I wouldn't be here or I would be here. Would I be here? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Shouldn't have asked that, right? You're going to reevaluate your whole product strategy. (laughs) Existential crisis over here. Let's ask AI what to do. I originally started with Jeff as someone who is passionate about the space, specifically product managers. I spent a better half of 20 years working with product managers around the world. And what kept shocking me was in Seattle, for example, Washington, University of Washington, they had an engineering degree. And I'm like, well, where's the, where where do product managers are? Where do they go? Like, where are product managers born, Jeffrey? I had three kids, okay? And it was a mystery to me where product managers are born. I don't understand this. It it, it should be very simple. And the more we investigated this, it just shocked us. Like, so I was very proud to partner with the University of Washington to make it an objective, not just for them locally, but globally, to open the door for product managers to find their way to make their way, or someone who's not a product manager who wants to become one. I'll leave the whole excitement for the product management center later, but what am I doing here? Why am I here right now? Because, and I don't know, maybe 20 minutes or so, we want to open up the door for all of you, the many of you out there to ask questions. That's right. Q&A with the people on stage. Unlike a podcast, right? When you're driving in your car on the way to work, Jeff, you can't exactly do Q&A when you're listening to them. Well, today, for those who have luckily joined us here on LinkedIn, you can either send me a DM in advance, it's a direct message, and I'll ask the question on behalf of you. Or if you want to raise your hand later and get on stage, well, there's an opportunity to do that as well. So around the 30-minute mark, 35-minute mark, we'll start inviting you up for delicious questions and answers. But don't raise your hand before them because we'll, we just won't let you on stage because you know we're doing Q&A at that point with each other. Back to you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Red, appreciate your enthusiasm. Always glad to have you here. So we're going to walk before we run. So we're going to do some very simple things because our audience is a mix of product managers who are really curious about AI product strategy and then some aspiring product managers. I want to make sure we're all on the same page uh, with the same conversation. So if you're super experienced, you could jump with both AI and product. We're going to get knowledge for you in about five minutes. But before that, I want to walk before we run. Priyank, can you just share a little bit about what product strategy means? So we're going to talk about AI product strategy. It's going to benefit all product managers, but I want to be on the same page. What is product strategy in your mind? Yeah, thank you, Jeff. So I would say just very brief in layman terms what it will be like. So for me, a product strategy would be like a high-level plan that outlines how a product will achieve its vision. As product vision and mission comes first to me and most of the product-led organization, and how we can align those to create a considerable product 
by keeping market user needs and competition in mind. That would be a quick glance of product strategy for me. And Marilee, anything to add or rebut on that? Thank you. That was a, that was a great, great, great explanation. I mean, at its core, product strategy is like a compass for you know where you want to go, where you want to take your product. It defines where you want to go, how you get there, and what success looks like in the AI era. It's the blueprint that aligns everyone on your team towards a common vision and goals for your product. So you just cannot have an idea and not have a strategy. You cannot have code and not have a strategy. You cannot you know, have a vision and not knowing how you're going to get there. It's just so important to have this kind of strategic thinking in place. I just cannot stress it enough. And I have I have so many thoughts and opinions about it, but since you just asked what it is, so it's think of it like a compass of your product journey, uh, just because I want it to be cheesy. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about a compass of where you're going and how you're going to get there uh, that takes into account your business, your customers, and competition. And we're going to talk about that compass as it relates to AI. And AI means a lot of different things to different people. For some, it means Terminator and the rise of the machines. (laughs) For others, it means iRobot, where the only way to satisfy Isaac Asimov's three rules is to kill all humans. But Marilee, what does AI mean to you uh, so that we could uh, give context to what we're then going to talk about with AI product strategy? Thank you. Great question. So AI is like giving machines a bit of human-like Thinking. So it's a blend of algorithms and data that allows machines to perform tasks that would require human intelligence. So we are giving a brain to machines. So think of it of um, like teaching machines to learn, to make decisions, or even predict outcomes. However, it can be misleading because you will never be able to provide conscience to machines or empathy or true intuition. So it's very distinctive things. You provide intelligence, but no feelings. All right. Kind of like Red, right? He's got the intelligence and no feelings. Yes? No? Maybe? Too soon for cruelty? Yes. You got you to explain that one to the audience. Please, please enlighten us. <laughs> no, there's no truth to that. I just, I, I had to try to make some joke and you're the only person who could have that, to weather that uh, storm. I just blew your way. So anyway. Because I am a robot. I am AI. <laughs> Priyank, any anything to add to what you envision as what what we're talking about is when we're talking about AI product strategy, what is AI? Yeah, very well said, Mary. So I would say it's the same thing, but it came into much more attention recently, all this AI buzz with the open AI, chat GPT and Microsoft. But it's been there from a more than a decade, right? It has a very long history of making the things to work how humans work, I would say. It's giving the intelligence, but in a way that it's more intuitive. But as Mary said, right, there's some biases, there's some problems that can impact the way it should behave. So there's some concerns, but yeah, it's very exciting times as the artificial intelligence is getting a lot of wings, I would say, by a lot of adoption from different companies and even the end users, they are very excited about it. So it's the same thing. It's a broad concept, right? It touches a lot of landscapes overall. And it's like giving human power by providing the way to think about as a human or interpret, understand, like also process natural language processing and everything. So it's a very broad concept. So yeah, that's about it. 
And can either of you, I'll start with you, Marilee, to keep bouncing back and forth here, but uh, give some examples, because I know everybody's thinking, okay, chat GPT, they're thinking maybe Dolly 2, where you can make images. Any other AI products that you've seen out there that can help people realize that it's not just chat GPT, it's not just Dolly 2? Yeah, and thank you for this question. This is why I said in the beginning that I was doing it before it was cool. Um, Think of products like Google Photos, right? So we all upload our photos, we take photos, um, and you can literally just search and say dog or sky. And immediately Google Photos is going to group all your photos that match that keyword. Or think of things like Alexa and Google Assistant or Siri, where you use your voice and it can immediately transcribe, understand what you need, and then synthesize a, a sentence and speak it back to you. Think of um, things like, you know, you, again, with the voice example, you can just change temperature at your home. Think about Google Translate or any translator. I'm I'm too embedded at Google. I'm sorry. Um, Of any translation mechanism where you type in a sentence and then you get the answer back. So all these products that we use on a day-to-day life are AI empowered. When you watch Netflix and you're done watching Stranger Things and then you get a recommendation saying, hey, you should watch Umbrella Academy now versus, you know, it's not telling you you should watch Pretty Woman after Stranger Things, right? So all these things that are related to recommendation, automation, suggestion, personalization, generation, all these things are AI-empowered features. It's way more than just the generative aspect of it. And this is exactly what I'm trying to teach people, especially at my bootcamp as well. Everyone comes in, they're like, how do we build generative AI products? I'm like, there's so much more to this. So uh, I'm so happy we're having this discussion because there's just so many types of features you can wrap your head around. And, uh, you know, personalization, I think for me is one of the, the biggest ones. And we'll probably get to this once we start talking about some of the wrinkles that come with AI product strategy, because LinkedIn now has draft your event description with AI, and it was a colossal failure for me, and I probably will not even waste time using it again. So we'll get into the questions of uh, what are the risks of starting too early, what are the risks of moving too late. But first, I want to just understand for everybody, why does every company and why should everybody have an AI product strategy, everybody in product management? I'll leave this open to whoever wants to, who's most enthusiastic about why companies and product managers need an AI product strategy. I'm happy to take a stab. Um, Well, whenever you, if you're a leader at a company, you want to stay ahead of the curve. You want to know what technological advancements are taking place. Um, If you don't adapt, you will face extinction. So you need to know at, at the very least what's happening. Here's a great example. I don't know how many... People know of the the story about um, Blockbuster and Netflix. So Blockbuster essentially, you know, they they had these buildings. You could go there. You could walk around in the store and choose a tape to rent, videotape, and then you would take it home. And then, you know, it was great. They were worth billions and billions of dollars. They had stores everywhere. Um, And then, you know, this little startup called Netflix came along and they said, oh, well, we are not going to have a physical store. We're just going to send tapes to people's homes. Blockbuster said, this is this is not a great idea. You know, people love the experience of coming here and walking around in their pajamas and choosing a tape. Eventually, Netflix said, well, wait, instead of sending them the tapes, we'll just let them stream them so they can pay us per month or per movie. We can just stream them. And then, of course, everyone moved from Blockbuster to Netflix. And then eventually Blockbuster died 
at the end, they were kind of like, oh, God, no, no, we can send tapes to you. We can stream too. Of course, it was too late. And um, at the end of the day, if you go on Netflix right now, they actually produced a documentary about how, unfortunately, Blockbuster died. So this little story was just to, to tell you that even if a company is in an amazing standing now, if they don't adapt to what's happening in their ecosystem, and what's happening right now is purely AI, they will face extinction and die. So it's just very, very important to just keep just adapting to your environment. Thank you. Priyank, anything to add to that? Why uh, companies need a AI product strategy? Yeah, very excellent point, Mary. So I would echo that point, right? It's going to give a competitive edge, right? Like it's a very growing field, right? So by creating like innovative, performant and efficient products, it will give a lot of fuel to product growth overall. And the other thing, right? Like if you are solving user problems in a way that makes it more personalized and customizable for them, it will definitely increase the customer satisfaction overall. And that in turn can lead to retention, right? So there are those two uh, major points. But the other thing, right, like market relevance, as Mallory said, right? So it's a world of an age of AI, right? So if you are not fueling your innovation in the right direction, then there's a very chance of extinction, right? So definitely, yeah, it's a very exciting times. And with that, there is certainly the product has to adopt. And in order to adopt, we need the right strategy overall. Yep. All right. So Marilee, you teach a boot camp on AI product strategy and AI product management. And I'm curious, you know, what is different about AI product strategy versus anything. So there's a lot of the same things I would imagine apply, such as, again, experimentation, being agile, learning quickly, and it's okay to fail fast. Like, So what are the things that are different with AI than as you'd think about other product strategies? Excellent question. Well, first of all, you're dependent on data. Let's say you have a vision to create these amazing experiences, but if you don't get data that are relevant to what you want to make, it's just, you're done. So you need to start problem solving along the way in ways that you would not be doing it in traditional product management. So let's say you don't, you want to create, let me come up with a silly example, like a little app where you can take a photo of a plant and it can tell you what the plant is, something silly like that. If you don't have photos of plants and labels as to what each plant is, you know, like an olive tree or like a rose or whatever, um, you're just not going to be able to do this. So you need to problem solve along the way. You need to acquire data. You need to create a data collection force for all I know is number one. Number two, the actual AI product development lifecycle changes. Okay. So for AI product strategy, the development is iterative and continues as the AI models learn and adapt over time. Um, constantly, every time you get more data, you need to go through this. You need to retrain your models. You need to, to test your key product metrics and see if the new model is performing better than the previous model. There's this whole other thing where if you productionize an AI model, it may break everything. So your AI model may seem amazing when it's you know still in experiments, um, but when you put it out there in the wild, everything may die. So you need to be ready as you say, like agile, be ready to pull the trigger, go back to where you were. So it's for people that are, you know, that 
don't hate risk. There's a lot of risk for everything you do. There is some extra skills and expertise that you need. So you do need to understand um, how AI works. You need to understand how AI research scientists work. You know, it's particular things. You need to establish a certain type of technical influence in order to be successful um, in this. Of course, ethical considerations, right? We've never had to deal with such ethical considerations before. Before, the ethical considerations was, were just like, oh, we need to comply to GDPR. Whereas now you're creating an experience that the experience itself may be malicious and produce some really, really bad results. So QA needs to be way heavier than before. You need to always be aware of ethical considerations. User experience-wise, AI can be a predictable. So the user experience you expect to achieve when you create a product may be totally different than the actual thing. So traditional product strategy in user experience was just like, you know, here's the UX team, pass it on, they'll create something great. Whereas now, actual researchers and software engineers need to be involved in the software engineer, sorry, in the, the user experience itself. I'm talking a lot, but the last thing I'm going to say is the way we measure success for AI products also is different than the way we measure success for traditional products as well. So yeah, <laughs> everything changes, but it still remains the same, if that makes sense. And I'm just always excited to work with People that want to be AI PMs because they just love discovering this, these differences. And AI definitely makes daily life and the routine of um, product management go away. There's no same day where it's going to be risk-free. All right. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Merrily, I want to follow up on one thing. The metrics that are different, metrics of success. Do you have any examples that you're able to share as to what kind of success metrics are related to AI product strategy that are unique? Yes. And I hate to plug this, but I have a newsletter where I write merrily.substack.com. But I recently made a post about this. So, you know, in regular product management, we have the standard buckets of, you know, like retention and engagement, um, monetization, referral, like the, the standard acquisition funnel. But now when you add AI in the mix, you have things like false accepts, false rejects. How is the system performing? How is the system performing with less amount of data or more amount of data? So there is this, you kind of have a blend or a mix of data and metrics. So it's not just about, hey, um, how much, let's say we're a PM on Netflix, let's say, and we care about watch time as our key metric. When you have a recommender algorithm that you launch there and a widget for people to get recommended shows so that they can, the hypothesis is they'll get a recommendation, it's going to be good, so they're going to spend more time watching Netflix. So when you have that, you need to monitor, first of all, sure, the watch time, but also how the algorithm itself is performing. Because if you tweak the algorithm itself, you can have dramatic changes in your the metric that matters. So you can no longer just measure success with this one metric. You always need to pay attention into um, the quality metrics of the um, the accuracy itself of the algorithm, the false accepts, false rejects, and you know there are a lot more metrics. But yeah, it adds a whole other dimension to metrics and everything you're doing. It's just, um, as I said, no day is risk-free. All right, thank you. Priyank, thanks for your patience there. Anything to add to the question of what's unique about an AI product strategy versus other product strategies? Thank you, sure. All excellent points on, I would say, on the data analytics on the metric side, ethics, right? All those are very important. 
But just to add a little bit to it, like the first thing, right? Data is the first thing for AI products, right? The other thing is the user needs and wants, right? Like we can solve the user needs and wants through some other products or some other ways, right? But we need to identify like what needs or wants or any pain points that can be solved which are unmet using the conventional products and how we can make it more effective and innovative using AI, right? So that is the main key thing for me. The other thing is the computation cost, right? Like with the AI model, it it requires a lot of computation when it is in the creation mode or even in the running or implementation mode, right? So you need to think about your infrastructure costs, budget with all those AI models, algorithms running in the background, right? It's uh, very seamless for the users, but when it comes to the cost, budget, infrastructure, it's very eminent to think about it from overall strategy standpoint to me. The other thing is the user education. And since it's a still very growing field and not every users are used to using AI products or they are using it, but they do not know. They are intentionally not using it. So we need to educate people about the new features of product launch, which are AI driven. So it could be through information videos or some marketing or some press release. It could be any user way that is most suitable for your product. So that is very important. And the other key thing I would say is the security and compliance, right? There is risk with AI. So certainly while we are working with big data, we need to make sure the overall security is in in place. And also we are adhering to all the compliance when it comes to location, geography, or the GDPR or CCP or any other location-centric laws or compliance acts. The other thing is the industry-wide or country-wide standards, right? Like, I know, like, Europe has a very stringent needs and regulation when it comes to data through GDPR. So we need to give the consents and want to make sure that users are well aware how their data is used on the AI products for training, for model training, or for any other needs, right? So... I know like one product recently got very flagged due to their privacy agreement got changed. So those are the things, right? With this AI products, we need to be more transparent and we need to be more ethical when it comes to AI, like how your data is used or what kind of privacy agreement we have. We need to be transparent with the user overall. So those things we need to overall consider while creating the product strategy. Yep. Thank you. Merrily, uh, did what Priyank said spark any thoughts, either any additional thoughts or any rebuttals? No, no, I like it. Priyank, I think we should discuss offline and have long uh, debates and conversations about this. This is this really resonates. Sure. Thank you, Merrily. Excellent. So in about five to seven minutes, we're going to invite audiences to get their, the audience members to get their questions answered. So they're free to start raising their hand now. We'll get you on stage in in about five minutes or so. I have two rapid fire questions that I want to ask. The first one is I want to dive into this LinkedIn, this generative AI feature that they rolled out before it was useful for me, at least. It's an N of one, so it's not very valid. Not, you can't necessarily generalize from it. But should you launch an AI product that's just downright bad? I'll leave it at that, and you could dive into the why you would and why you wouldn't. So 
Should you launch an AI product that's just bad if that's part of your compass? It's uh, how you get to somewhere else. Merrily? Well, here's the thing. In AI, there's no chance you're going to launch something good on day one because you're not going to have enough data. So there's this beautiful moment in an AI PM's life where you will have you know, your product ready to launch to the wild and they're going to ask you, is it good enough? And this is like a beautiful and you know, extremely stressful moment for you because you know the experience you provide to the users is not great, but you also know that you need to provide it to the users so that you can start collecting more data so that you can actually retrain your models and improve the experience. So strategy comes in so deeply in this decision because you can do things like, you know, you can tell users, hey, this is a beta feature, just trying it out. We want to see if, you know, what you think and we can collect some data so you can actually call out that it's, it's going to suck and <laughs> you want to see if people are going to use it. Or the other thing you can do is do it for a small amount of people just so that you can get some data, some feedback and realize what you're going to do. It all comes down to strategy because if you're, for example, a company like Apple and, you know, you care about the experience so deeply, you cannot afford to launch something that's not pristine. A part of a company that's a bit more hacky, then you're like, okay, sure, we'll do that. We'll roll back out. So depends. What kind of company do you want to be? What kind of strategy do you want to have? But the, what the most important part is make sure you can roll back immediately if things go bad. So if the product is so bad, you can immediately press a button and just literally go back to the previous version. But yeah, again, an excellent point of all the challenges that AI has in stock for us. Priyank, what do you think? Should, AI, should LinkedIn have launched it before it was ready? And should you launch a, a bad AI product to start? Not bad, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jeff. So I would say yeah, I have tried using it and I haven't found it helpful. <laughs> In my own experience, I would say. But yeah, it's like, it all depends, right? Whether, what is the vision and what is the strategy of LinkedIn that we are highly unsure as a just a user of LinkedIn, right? So if the vision is to make more creators go and create content, then sure, you should launch it. But as Mallory said, right, it all depends whether it's a moving fast culture or more towards user experience and providing premium products. So it all depends what is the like thought process behind it, right? And the other thing is like I would personally before launching to a like to whole geography or to all the users, I would do a much more close user group study just to collect more data and maybe train the model and make it more performant and make it more personalized based on the recommendation feedback and all the useful information that we collect and make it more intuitive to the user needs and maybe provide some personalization. Like it's a 30 words, it's a lot of words, right? So maybe if uh, someone has a a way to customize it to 10 words, sure, let's do it and then launch it. So something like to think about it, but yeah, it could be a better product, so they might enhance it. But yeah, it's like not giving a good experience to me. Personally, I won't launch it with just half-baked product, but do more study, gather, validate more data and make the model more trained based on the data and then launch it on a big cohort or all over the geography. 
All right. So we got the typical it depends answer, but both of them fleshed it out. Both of them fleshed it out well enough so we know what it depends on. So thank you for answering that curiosity. My last curiosity before we turn it over to Red for audience questions. We see an evolving legal landscape as people start to think about copyright protection in terms of what are you allowed to train the date on somebody else's copyright protected train your algorithm on copyrighted material uh, we know there's evolving privacy legislation as we saw as you've said with uh, GDPR in, in Europe so should this fear of all these changes to the legal environment should they slow you down or speed you up or do they change how you think about an AI product strategy, knowing that you might invest in a certain way of doing things, and then boom, overnight, you're not allowed to do it. Merrily, I'll start with you. It all comes down to that bucket about ethics that I talked about before. Um, I don't think anyone should be touching AI if they're not fully aware of the challenges and the dangers, honestly, that um, this can create. So 100% people need to, to be aware of yeah, some scary things that can happen. So completely agree there. Priyank, what do you think? The the changing legal environment and how that could just undo years of working on a roadmap, should that speed you up, slow you down? Or uh, how do you respond to, how do you change what you do knowing that the legal environment could change at any moment? I don't think we should slow down in any way, but we should adapt as we go. That's, um, man, I should be taking notes, Jeff, for the things I'm saying because I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to tweet about this. <laughs> Add it to the newsletter. <laughs> get a, get another blog post. <laughs> Priyank, what were you going to say? Yeah, thank you. So I would say same thing, right? It it all depends, right? Whether what kind of model you are using, right? Whether it's a, a pre-trained model or you are training on your own data is a closed trained model. So it it will change the way the outputs are generated based on it. But yeah, definitely, I would say there is a. As part of product strategy, there should be an ethical bucket or ethical uh, officer or someone should be appointed if you are way more invested into AI as part of organization. And there should be prioritization on user privacy overall, like there should be audit training for employees, how the data is used and provide more materials to users. The other thing is like, how we can flag the biases, right? As a user, like if we think that this output that we are getting is uh, very biased, then we should be able to flag it. And that should train or pre-trained models should get those assessment and the validation based on that should change the way the outputs are created in future, right? So that is very important. And the other thing, the one that I mentioned before, the transparency, right? Like when it comes to, user they should know what kind of data will be they are consenting to i know we just uh, agree to all terms and conditions right but there should be when it comes to ai the terms which are very fine-tuned should be very bold so they know like how their data is being used and what is the organization data strategy overall should be very much the kind of a homepage kind of availability for any users to see, like, for example, like how Meta is using data, right, with the new open source Llama models, right? So they are very transparent about their data policy and everything. So it should be addressed in very unique way than the other products or other data models that we do outside of AI, right? So those are required. All right. 
Thank you both. So, so Marilee got to promote her course that she runs on her own and also her uh, newsletter, and you could check out her profile. I'm going to quickly promote the Product Management Center at the University of Washington. Take a moment to click on that. Uh, I think you could see the icon maybe in this event, but take a moment to follow us. Uh, we have live events here, and we have programming that we're developing for product managers, and we have programming for aspiring product managers. So at, wherever you are on your journey in product management, we're here to support you, not just our University of Washington students and alumni, but the broader product management community. So please follow the Product Management Center at UW on LinkedIn and uh, download and subscribe to the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast, which you could get find on any major podcasting platform. So now, Red, I, I, I give my little plug. Are you Red E to handle audience Q&A? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. It's your turn, man. Do it. I was just going to stay quiet and see how long you can last in the silence. Okay. <laughs> all right. First of all, to those of you who have sent me questions, thank you for doing that. I will make sure to only say your first name and uh, keep things anonymous. For those of you on stage that have raised your hand and who are up here, rock on. We have room for more questions. So I see a queue here of folks that we're going to invite on stage. The rule is simple. You unmute, you ask your question, and then hopefully we answer your question. It, that's it. It's really can't be more complicated, especially on a Tuesday after Labor Day weekend when our kids are finally back in school. Oh, yeah. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to start in order of who's on the stage. Apologies if it went a little out of order. But Karishma, this is an opportunity for you to ask your question. Welcome to the stage. Thank you, Red. And thank you, the panel, for giving such an overview of AI product strategy. I had a very specific question regarding uh, career development, because as I see AI is going to be prominent, it's going to be prolific everywhere in all of products that we can imagine. And as someone who aspires to be an AI product manager, how can I build my profile or how can I uh, increase my experience within the AI domain as a product manager? Great question. You know, every single week, Jeff, we get questions from people who are either entering product management, looking to get that resume built out of relevant experience, but in this instance, we have a product manager, Krishma, if I'm correct, you already yeah. are one, but you're trying to cross over into AI specifically and need to build correct. that experience. Yeah. Great question. Uh, you know what? Uh, let's start with Priyank. Question starts with you, and then we can pass it over to Marilyn. Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you, Red. So, Karishma, what I would say, like, uh, if you are already a product manager, I'm not sure, but if you are, then, yeah, chances are, like, you have to someday be a AI product manager right so it requires skills experience but to me the first thing is like getting know what is AI and what kind of skills you need then see what are the transferable skills you get because what I see like there's a misconception about AI like it's only you are an AI product manager if you are working end-to-end -end on an AI product but to me, like AI fits into, uh, has a four key pillars when it comes to AI. One is user, the other is data, the third one is compute and hardware, and the fourth is ethics and responsible AI, right? So even if you are enabling by working through compute services or uh, you're working on data, you can transfer your skills and make those enabler skills into a more like an AI product manager who is working end-to-end -end on a AI product, right? So identify the skills, I would say, which you already have. Do some certifications which are freely available. And I know Melody runs a bootcamp. It's a, 
I'm sure would be a very interesting course. That is also one option. The other thing is getting to know by talking to people who are already working in AI as a product manager, know what kind of challenges they are facing, how they did their uh, evolution from product manager to AI product manager, getting to know what kind of skills you need, and then slowly grasping those everything, and then making your resume sound more like an AI product manager and getting those skills and going into a product or maybe in the same company you are, you can transfer into an AI product if you are very curious about it. That's what I would say, Brad. Back to you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, because this is such a relevant question we hear a lot, I know people out there are going to want to get a little bit more perspective on this one as well. Merrily, please uh, dive in as well. If you have a clarifying question, you can ask Karishma. Thank you. This is such a good question. Um, and I get it a lot at my bootcamp. So here's here's what I've seen. I've seen that a lot of PMs are already building AI products without knowing it. So if you have created something around um, like a smart feature, whether it's like a tiny little thing, like a recommender or um, like something around personalization, something around, I mean, I'm not saying fully fleshed things out like speech recognition and so on, you're already doing it. So please look back into all your products and please ask your engineers and say, hey, have I done AI in any of my products? Okay. If you have, boom, you can literally start saying that you're an AI product manager. This is not sneaky, but it's a good way to showcase that you have been exposed to this world. Now, if you have not done anything, it's an amazing opportunity within your own company to to just seek opportunities and just tell your manager, hey, 20% of my time, I want to work on something that's AI related. So I literally want to shadow some PM that works on AI or to just start talking to some teams. I'll still get everything done that is required for my role, but I want to spend either a day of, sorry, an hour of every day or my entire Friday um, on something like that. And this is going to help you get exposure, build some experience. Now. Outside of work, what you can do is, of course, um, take my bootcamp. Seriously, reach out. I'm happy to to walk you through what I offer. Certifications. The other thing you can do is literally go on some hackathon online. There are so many hackathons you can do. You can be the product manager of some cool AI feature so that you can have some portfolio. And you can say, hey, here's what I came up with. Here's what we built. Here's the prototype. Who knows? You may meet people. You may raise funding you may win the hackathon i won a hackathon once it was the best day of my life back then when i was a student and i got so much money with my teammates it was like the best thing and like we got the experience so there are many things you can do but the only thing i really want to call out over and over again you do not need a technical degree you do not need a phd you do not need to have been a software engineer before i hope this helps Krishma, have we helped? Have we provided some new perspective for you? Definitely. I actually, um, it resonated with me. Certain things that I really want to do is get more experience, speak to my manager and uh, work on products that are AI. And I think this just reaffirmed all of those. And I would really like to be in touch with Marilee and get get an understanding of the bootcamp. So I'm definitely going to ping you after this, Marilee. I had another one question, Jeffrey. How do I enroll for the product management center? Because I know you have admissions and the spring admits are over. Is it happening again and I can be a part of the community? 
Great question. We are working on launching a new membership program for current product managers uh, where they could learn from uh, product leaders and uh, professors and get a mix of practical advice and uh, a broad view from academics who've been studying uh, the issues. So stay tuned for that. And then the IPMA for aspiring product managers is currently scheduled to have a spring cohort, which would be in January is when you'd hear from that. But follow the Product Management Center at UW, and that's where you could find uh, all the updates on what we're working on. So thank you, Karishma. Great to see you. Red? Thank you so much. Thank you, panel. I enjoyed speaking and the conversation around AI today. Thank you, Karishma. And and Jeff, um, I have a follow-up question from a DM around ways to build up your portfolio. Is there any other comparable groups or networking associations or anything you'd recommend to our audience members, like Jasper from last week was asking about this. Again, he's coming back. Can we point people to other resources where they can collaborate and find quick ways to get these outside of your normal job experiences? So this is for you, Jeff. Oh man, I don't know. I try to build like a product manager with one exception. I spend very little attention to competition and focus on the needs of individuals. And we try to build as many experiences that will help people advance in their product management career. As far as I know, we're the only university that has a mix of leading practitioners like Priyank and Merrily and academic professors jointly working together to help everybody advance their product management career. So Red, I wish I could help that one. I think we got to turn to the next question here. Yeah, the bias at its best with a shameless plug, my favorite kind of uh, PM work right here. So with that in mind, uh, our next question on stage, uh, Michelle, welcome to the stage. Uh, what's your question? How can we help? Thank you so much, Red. So uh, my first question got answered already. So it was regarding what kind of skills and how can we upgrade ourselves from an existing traditional product manager role. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, then I had a question regarding the ethical um, issues, right? So given the rapid evolution of AI technologies and their integration into various industries, I'm very curious about how uh, strategists strike a balance between harnessing uh, capabilities of AI while addressing potential ethical concerns. Because these two, when I look at it, kind of don't always go hand in hand. So if you could give me some examples of some successful approaches, it would be really great. All right, Mary Lee, what about you? Let's start with you. And if, again, if you have a clarifying question, please ask. That's an interesting question. So I tell people, look, whenever you're coming up with ideas, you should not be constrained. You should not be restricted. So I don't want to restrict ideation. However, I do think that after you come up with your ideas, before you implement or before you do anything else, you need to just talk to someone that's designated. So Get someone that's designated like a privacy manager or like a legal manager or someone that's focusing specifically on this and run your ideas by them before you proceed. It's a bit unfair to say that the product manager needs to know everything around, you know, all the ethical implications. So make sure you have someone that's the key, the go-to person there so that you still don't stop the ideation, but you also make sure that everything is compliant and ethical uh, and so on. So I think that's the, the best way forward. Got it, got it. And uh, like... Um, Michelle, yeah. my, my sincere apologies. We do have other people on the stage. We want to give room for questions. Sure, sure, um, certainly, right, certainly. But I do have to say, and Marilee can always choose who she responds to from LinkedIn's perspective. But uh, just as we heard earlier with Krishma, uh, reaching out to other product managers is a great way to learn from product managers. So highly recommend that door being open. 
But Marilee, you can always reach out. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. I'm Marilee, I'm sorry for all the spam you're about to get. <laughs> Just kidding. There should be no spam in this room. Oh, if you are spam, please leave now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next question on the stage. Uh, Simone, there's tons of emojis before product manager. You are what I would call an emojiful, proud product manager. Welcome. Welcome to the stage. How can we help you? What's your question? And this time, since we have very little time left on the show, we're going to do what we call rapid fire. You ask your okay. question, but you choose who you want to ask it to, and they will Ooh, answer it. Rapid fire. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. This is Simone. I'm already a product manager currently in the healthcare domain, but I am actively looking for a position. So my question is directed probably to Priyank. I want to know, while I'm conducting my job search, how would you, I want to target companies that are actively using AI, have a budget to use AI and plan on, you know, having it in the forefront of their products and services. I am hearing there are some companies that are banning their employees from using it. And those are not the companies I want to go to. So just a little advice on uh, product managers who are currently targeting um, companies that will be using it. What, uh, I won't say what companies, what industries would you make sure you target? Thank you for your question. So what I would say, Simon, it's a very competitive market right now. But what if I'm a candidate, I would look at the job requirement and research and build a, like a company sheet for me and see what are the targeted companies that I should be targeting towards through their, by researching their mission, their culture, then looking at what kind of roles are open at the company. And that's okay if someone is uh, banning use of AI products internally, but that doesn't mean that they're not doing some development in the AI because there is the two distinction, right? When it comes to they might be banning things which might be harmful to them since they do not want to expose their data, since you come from healthcare, you might be very familiar, like how the regulatory requirements and how stringent the requirements are, right? So that's okay if they are not allowing someone to use chat GPT for the internal users, but they might be want to create a, their own models, right, to create AI products. So look for uh, in the job description, you see some even features or something mentioned as Marilee said, right? It shouldn't be just a concern that you should be working end-to-end -end in an AI product, even if they're uh, providing some hints through personalizations, recommendations, or some features or some things that they're looking to hire for or some team they're hiring for. It's a good start. And eventually it would be, you'll be more familiar with AI products and AI PM role, and you'll be able to prosper and succeed uh, so on from there. Okay, great. Thank you. I am always, yep. you know, definitely looking at the mission and researching the company and the leadership for sure. So you're right. I am seeing some companies that have slew of software engineer AI positions and some I don't see it at all. Thank wow. you. Yeah. And feel free to reach out if you need any help. Anyone. Thank, Thank you. you. That's a double inbox opener today. That's <laughs> amazing. Bring it on, folks. Okay, we've got one more room for one more question, Jeff. We're going to go to super double round, quick Q&A. Ruben, you are going to ask a question. So I am a background in AI, so I'm just relatively new in product management. So my question was, 
what are the major differences between like the software development lifecycle and specifically AI development lifecycle? Because yeah, AI uh, includes yeah much more the data and therefore also the research aspect. I think Marily would uh, could answer this. <laughs> this is literally not the last two minutes type of question, but I can take a step. Um, there are there are so many nuances, a little differences. Um, some you know you touched on, which is you know because of the data, um, there is um. So much uncertainty, um, ethics. You know, when you develop the actual software, you need to have this in your mind at all times. Um, you also need to consider um, kind of the resources from the tech perspective. Like, can you train massive models? How long? You know, what kind of hardware? What, what types of chips? And how are you going to do this? You know, this sort of thing. Um, product requirements are very different when it comes to something around AI versus non-AI because. You know, the PM is going to say, oh, I want the perfect experience and everything needs to be seamless. But in AI, as I said, when you productionize it, it's just not going to perform as well as in the experimental um, world. So, yeah, there are a lot of challenges. This would take a lot of time to, to talk about it, but it's a great question and a great topic for next time, Jeffrey, maybe. <laughs> All right, Red. All right, thank you very much. Sorry, Ruben. I wish we could get in, dive into that deeper. Red, did, uh, is it my turn or did you want to close out anything? Everybody have a fulfilling day. Welcome back. And for those who have children, welcome back. Yes. Welcome back. That's Red, it. That's well, it. That's it. thank you so much for ending a summer here uh, or beginning our fall as uh, I guess Labor Day is a signifier of that. And so we're out of time, but I want to give concluding thoughts. 30 seconds or less. Marilee, what do you want to leave the audience with today? Don't be afraid to embrace it. It's I'm not going to say it's happening. It's already happened. So like Blockbuster, adapt or you're going to face extinction. Like Make sure to upskill your career. And please do join me. I have the bootcamp. I have 500 students already. They love it. So I would love to, to have you. Please reach out if you have questions. All right, Marilee, thank you so much for being here. Priyank, uh, what do you want to leave the audience with? Yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey. And thank you, everyone, for joining. It's uh, very exciting to be here and very exciting times with the AI overall in this industry and world overall, I would say. So yeah, if anyone needs any help, feel free to reach out. But yeah, thank you for this opportunity. All right. My concluding thoughts I want to leave the audience with is, wow, Marilee and Priyank giving an hour of their time to help uh, hundreds of you, uh, thousands if you talk the recording, learn about AI product management. The product management community is going to get stronger and better if you too give back once you've figured some things out and share your knowledge with the next generation. So I hope you'll consider giving back through the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And I hope that uh, you realize that we're your ally. We want to build a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. And we're doing everything that we can to help you advance in your career. And so let us know how we could help you follow the product management center at UW and uh, yeah we are here to serve you and, and we're grateful that others are joining us in this journey such as Marilee and Priyank so thank you both thank you all for listening we're off next week but we'll be back in two weeks talking about product management for government technology uh, GovTech uh, lucrative opportunities and fulfilling careers are available there and we'll talk about what the similarities and differences are with government technology thank you again Marilee and Priyank great to talk to you <laughs>